Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. Johnny and the mothers are playing something at the Savoy in Vermont tonight. Berman's gonna kill my brother at the Savoy Theater tonight. I didn't say that. No, but I know this great guy. Why would I put it there? Kindness? 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 You stole it! He stole it! We have top men working on it right now. Who? Welcome to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, New York Sports Talk Podcast, episode number 176, coming to you live from Comac, New York, Bayside, New York, and Freehold, New Jersey. It's time for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, talking New York sports nice. Episode number 176, you guys. I can't even... That's a lot. And of course... Uh, we have a ton of New York sports to talk about, a ton of sports to talk about overall, and we'll be joined, of course, by our producer, the Bishop, Big Donut Pop Culture PJ, for a fun load that promises to be both fun and a load. Hi, everyone. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Steve San Pietro, otherwise known as Sam Pete, coming off the heels of our huge, enormous, not a good show, okay, a great show. Last week at <laughs> Five Milestone, a great bar on the Upper East Side with the Turn on the Jets crew. Uh, we did our live show there for the NFL Draft. It was a great time. Once again, Gun Hill Brewing Co. providing the beer. Everybody, I think, had a magnificent time. Jay Mafal of the Yaya's, who are playing live on Saturday night in Brooklyn, by the way, guys, and filming it. It's a film. Part of a documentary, something like that. I don't know. Hey! It's Jay Mafali. He's a nice, a decent one. Uh, so he was nice enough to do the sound. They're filming it for some documentary, something about gorillas in the mist. Or, um, but anyway, uh, welcome to the program. Let's bring in the co-host of the program of this podcast we call RTU. Mr. Brian Calneva Calpino Caliente. Hi, Brian. Hi, Steve. Hi there, my friend. We're back in the studio. We are back in our respective studios. And uh, we have a ton of, of sports to talk about tonight. How are you doing, though? I'm all right. It's been a, 
I feel like, why am I Jiminy Glick? Because I really feel like it's been a tumultuous week. I feel like as a fan, as a sports fan, it's been a, a week of tumult. A lot going on. I feel tumult. Can you use tumult as that way? Me? You want me to use tumult that way? <laughs> I want you to use it right now. I feel tumult. I don't think that that's right. Can you do it like, I feel tumulty? Eh. No? No good? Little tumult going on? We, did, we were trying to figure up, out... Up in here? <laughs> Worst rap song ever. Y'all gonna tumult up in here, up in... Wait, what, did he just say we're all gonna tumult? Cut. We can't use that. We were trying to figure out what the plural of... Maybe uh, this is a good time to bring in the Bishop Big Donut Pop Culture PJ, who, as we hit episode number 176, has more nicknames than Apollo Creed in Rocky IV when he's being introduced. The Master of Disaster, the King of Sting, the Count of Monte Fisto... Mr. Brian Calneva Calpino? No, wait. No, I'm here. Oh, you're here already. Right. My bad. Uh, I'd also like to be known as the man with the plan. Bishop. Big Donut. Pop Culture PJ. The man with the plan. Hi, Bish. The guy in a jam. Wait, what? The dude with the van. (laughs) I thought we weren't supposed to talk about the van. Well... Doesn't Doesn't our buddy RJ have one of those vans? RJ had a van that looked exactly like Boba Fett. It's, it was the coolest, strangest looking. I mean, it literally, when you looked at it head on, it looked like Boba Fett's helmet. <laughs> that's that's amazing. Just the coolest. If you go online, you can find pictures of it. I have a question for you. We all uh, have vans, don't we? All have vans. I've got a van. I've, I've got, got a minivan. No. I've got a, well, I have a minivan. Yeah, I have a minivan. I don't have, like, a, R- a panel van. Oh, RJ also bought a van from the Parks Department. Now, that's a serious van. <laughs> that's, that's, you can't drive around a suburban neighborhood in that van. No, that's for hauling and, and you know, carrying shovels and bodies and stuff. <laughs> Not that you would. Not that you, but you could. But you could. Why does he have 17 bags of lime back here? You've got to bury a body and have a picnic all at the same time. I, don't, I didn't know, know RJ was into that. Um, I have a question that's going to blow your mind, Bish. Can't wait. We're talking about it today. What is the plural of Prius? What is it? That's my wife, everybody. Yes. That's, welcome to the program. We, we won't say her name. We'll just keep it. Mrs. Bishop, big donut. Just call her the screaming lady in the house. <laughs> and Oh, that's my screaming daughter. Why don't you come back to me in about 30 seconds? You think about that question. What's the plural of Prius? <laughs> and we'll come back. Prius is in the car? Correct. Yeah, right. I just, I'll go I just blew your mind. Go ask your screaming daughter and wife. All right. <laughs> so, listen, Cal. Pri- Pri- that's that was, the, that was the gut reaction, but I don't know if that's right. Look, we have a ton of New York sports to talk about. We can talk about the plural of Prius later. Okay? Because you look upset. Me? Yes, you have a look of... No. Yes, you do. No, no, a little bit. A little bit. You have a look... I'm, I'm fine. You have a look of both consternation, concern, and... Constipation. Other, and other C words. How long has it been? Some roughage? A long time. 
You need, and you're Christopher Walken while you're doing it. <laughs> Bad Christopher Walken. And it's been a long time. I need some prunes. Wow. Stop. Got to go stop and shop. Should I stop first, then shop? It's the question. Um, <laughs> you, need a bowl of, you need a bowl of colon blow. I need something. I need something. You know what I need? I need? I need to not stop falling for the hidden ball trick yep. that is the Mets. Yep. They, That's what I need to stop they doing. They did it to you again. I don't know why I keep falling for it. Uh, why do I keep falling for it? Because you want to. <sighs> okay, Todd McShay, go easy. Just sit, calm, <laughs> calm down. Oh boy. I know. We're just well, we're just going to talk about sports. It's it's really okay. Uh, Cal, well, Cal, give me your best McShay when I ask you to tell me about Johnny Manziel's ceiling. Uh, oh. Uh, well. Ah, uh, man. Oh. <laughs> All right. Here's the deal with Johnny Manziel. Right. Then he then he finally gets to it after seven. Then he gets to it. Seven minutes of exasperation. Oh, he actually I gets up to... and walks around the room a little bit. <laughs> he undoes his top button. <laughs> he loosens his tie. Takes a drink of water. Yeah. Oh, boy. Like he's being interrogated. Oh, man. Oh, doctor. <laughs> I was afraid I was going to be asked. I am on a... I know I'm a draft expert on a draft podcast, but you have really put it to me here, sir. <laughs> Asking me a question about a draft prospect. Anyway. Did it get hot in here? Is, this, all of a sudden, what, is it warm in here? Who is this guy? Who are you? What is this, the Inquisition? <laughs> um, hey, set the stage for us, Steve. I would love to. The big unload tonight is simple. Look, we have a, a ton of New York sports to talk tonight. Here's what we're going to do, Cal. We have the Mets and Yankees with the Subway Series, the four-game set. It's going on right now as we speak. In fact, they're in the ninth inning. The Yankees with a one nothing lead. Spoiler alert. Um, and uh, Dave Robertson on for the four-out save. Curtis Granderson at the plate. Uh, Jacob DeGrom making his debut today. The Mets really, really disappointing with the bats. Twelve strikeouts, um, eight in a row at one point. Just a really awful performance by the Mets. So we have the Mets and Yankees to talk about. Really interesting to get a look at the Yankees at this point too, Cal, um, and see how that team is constructed. So we, we got that. We got the Rangers are in the Eastern Conference Finals. It's time. We actually have to talk about it and uh, put on our Canadians jerseys. No, I do want to get your, I do want to get your opinion of that playoff series because I feel like you will watch a lot of it. I will. Yeah. And then the, the draft, the postmortem on the draft last week, in the cold light of day, the Mets took all 12 players with 12 of their picks. They, they took the whole draft. They took the whole draft. Everybody was drafted by the Jets. They, uh, the Giants had a very interesting draft as well, so I do want to talk about that. And Rex Ryan made an appearance on with Francesa today, Cal. That's a big deal. And it was I don't know if you got to listen to it, but it was super interesting. I did listen to it. So I want to touch on that. And then we have a, an awesome fun load that combines both pop culture and sports, which is really that's what you ask of a fun load. That's like a wheelhouse fun load. It is. So let's get right to the big unload. Let's get right to the topic at hand. Mets, Yankees, four-game set. Subway Series early, and then they're done. That's it. They don't see each other again. First question, I don't know if we talked about this. 
Bri, do you like the four-game set as opposed to the six, the three and three? Yeah, I like it much better. But in a, but the four in a row? Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Uh-huh. Get it out of the way. No. I've 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 lost its juice for me. And six games way too much. Don't need to be playing them. Six games is way too much and and, and is unfair to the Mets. It is. It's unfair that the oh. Mets have to play the Yankees six times a year and other teams don't. The Yankees are always going to have a two hundred million dollar payroll. They're always going to have a competitive team. Other teams don't have to do that. So that's unfair. So I like the four games, but can you give me two and two over two weekends? How you, well, you can't do it over the weekend. Why can't you? What are you going to, you're not going to do a Friday, Saturday? They play two game sets all the time. Not right? over the weekend. But it's make a special exception, play a Saturday, Sunday night, and then the next weekend play the Saturday, Sunday night. What are you, well, what are you doing on Friday? Friday, schedule one of the, uh, the teams that you have an off-balance schedule with and play a two-game set with them. No. What, what do you mean, no? <laughs> you can't just at least entertain it. No, because that's, that's not how it's done. But, no, okay. but that's, but that's when, when you make an argument when you don't agree with something, the answer is that's not how it's done. <laughs> that's it? And you can't, you can't come back from that. I see. Right? I guess so. Because that's, Is that another thing we need to talk about tonight? What? How that's become Sports Talk Radio 101? Right. That, that they're basically teaching antagonism? Right. Well, you know, the Heat are going to win the next round because they're the Heat. Right. Now, if I'm a caller calling up to make a point, a very valid one, about the Heat, maybe not winning the next round... You're well, go- you're not paying attention. But you're going to find the antithetical argument. Right. Right? Exactly. It doesn't matter what I believe. I'm just going to come up with whatever the opposite is. Okay, good. So that's Sports Talk Radio now. That's how you do it. Great. Good job, everyone. So the four-game series, I like the four-game series. I like two and two, and you're done with it, and now you move on the rest of the season. I I'm guess, okay with that. I guess my problem is four games in a row against the same team. I just don't like that. They play four game series all the time. I know, and I don't like them. Well, I don't care for them. I don't mind the four game series out of division. So I guess you know, uh, and obviously it doesn't get much further out of the division than the Yankees because they're in the other league. I just don't like playing the Yankees four times in a row. I feel like it's it's impossible to take. I mean, they did it last year, and they were a terrible team. But I don't know. I just don't. I want to break it up into two and two. Why can't we just do two and two? Maybe, maybe they'll do that. Maybe they'll move to that in the future. Maybe when Brett Selig retires. <laughs> what do you mean, in 2027? <laughs> when he's finally retired? Maybe then. Just give me two. Give me Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday. Nice. Here in New York. Could you imagine? But just on back-to-back weekends. I, I love it. Okay, so fine. They're not going to do that because they said so. Fine. I don't like it. I, I, I understand your point. I I prefer to just, you know, get it out of the way and move on. Yes, well, the Mets are, are going to do just that as they took the first two games of the series. Wow, <laughs> we, have, we have video. Uh, we're on Uvu, a video conference call, and a light just went on above PJ's head in his video projection. Do you have an idea, Peach? Did something come to you? I need to take a picture of this. Hold on. Okay, we will. No, my wife is just doing laundry. 
That's all. We'll that post that. Uh, we'll post that picture on the episode page because it really looks like you had a great idea. He's <laughs> going to reveal his thoughts on the schedule now. Yeah, this is. I got the, it. The light went on for you, Peach. You're like a second year quarterback. I don't the, know. What the that light means. went on. <laughs> Sport ball. It's fine. I don't know. What, I don't know what any of this means tonight. <laughs> We're going to talk about uh, Kurt Vonnegut in a couple of minutes, so hang in there. Thank the Lord. <laughs> there she is again. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm just going to mute for the rest of the show. How does Tina feel about the schedule? She's against it. <laughs> I, I'm sure we'll hear from her soon. Yes. Um, Something about so, socks. So... <laughs> And unbalanced scheduling. And an unbalanced load of laundry she's about to do. Um, and so, uh, you know, the Mets, in the first two games of the series, Cal, everything was roses. They put up 21 runs in two games. Uh, and now they just got shut out uh, again. Mm-hmm. Uh, they basically had, I think... And PJ's had enough. And PJ, PJ disconnected from our video call. Um... So they lose tonight one nothing. Uh, I think they only had what four hits tonight, maybe. Uh, two. Th- two the whole night. I believe they only had two hits. They had they had to have at least three because they got two in the. They had first and third with Degrom. Degrom got the hit after Tejada. Those were the two. And then Murphy got a hit in the seventh. Three. Right. Three hits and three and four last night. So seven hits in two nights. Seven hits in the last eighteen innings. No runs. Um, and really, suddenly they're back in that ballpark, Cal, and it's terrible. It's the park, Steve. It's the park. I don't think it's the park. I think it's the park. You think so? Yep, absolutely. And it shouldn't be because they're professional baseball players, but they let the park get in their head. Right. Absolutely. I, I'm, I am convinced of it more than ever after watching them explode at Yankee Stadium and dance around the bases like schoolgirls with every, every hit that they got. And laughing it up. Yo, look at us. We're fine. Every ball we hit's going out. This is great. We're a professional ball team now. And then they come back to, to City Field, and their approach changes dramatically. They don't know what they're doing. They let the park get into their head. Their stupid manager is making comments about the park, which feeds right into it and enables them. It's the park. And the answer isn't move the fences in. The answer is get your heads together and learn how to hit in this park because it's your goddamn home park. I, I, can't, I can't disagree. I can't disagree. I had an interesting conversation with a, a Yankee fan today about it, Cal. by the way. <laughs> no need to apologize. That's what we're here for. And you're right. I didn't mean to, <laughs> to bring his name into it. <laughs> right. Um. You know that's never a problem on my watch. Um, the, I had a really interesting conversation with a friend of mine today, uh, actually uh, one of my coworkers, Joey, who is a Yankee fan who took his boys to City Field last night for the Mets-Yankees game. And he, he's done this before. He really likes City Field. And let's be honest. Oh, I said it. Drop a dime in the bucket. Play a song about the New Orleans. That's a terrible job by me. I'm sorry. We're, we're also not going to make a mistake about it. Yes. Okay. Let's just get them all out. I blew it. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. 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 It just it unleashes it all. It just kind of. I know. Okay. Go ahead. All right. I, I that moment of that that pause I just took. 
That was, was shame was, No, no, but it was not about you admonishing me. It was shame in myself. Oh no, I wasn't admonishing you. I was disappointment. Just, disappointment in myself. That's what happens. I let this podcast down. I let you down, and most importantly, Cal, I let the fans down. I'm better than that. But let's be honest, City Field. <laughs> No, I, I've heard this from a number of people. City Field is a better experience for kids. I've taken my kids there. Uh, you know, it's a better experience for kids. I found it's a more kid-friendly park, more intimate setting. But he, so he went last night, and we were having a discussion about Terry Collins' comments about the well, we hit three home runs, we just didn't hit them in the right park. About his own home park, and I said, you can't say that. You just can't do it. And Joey, who's, who's a really good Yankee fan, very logical, not an, you know, he's old enough to know when they stunk, so he's a really good Yankee fan, basically said, he can, so what? It's on the players. Get out of your head. He basically said what you just said without the, you know, bringing God into it. Um, you know, but he basically, he basically said what you just said. It's, it's on the players. Enough. It's your home park. If you let it get in your head, it's not the manager's fault. It's your fault. Well, and the other, the other part of that is that the guys that don't play there 81 times a year seem to have no problem hitting there. Yeah, I was, I was meaning to do this today, and I got jammed up at work. Because this led to a discussion about home, how many home runs the Mets have hit there and how many home runs the Yankees uh Visiting teams have hit there. And I don't know what the numbers are. Ever? or Yeah, overall, since the park opened in 2009. And then you have to take a look at it since they moved the fences in. Right. And took down the Great Wall of Flushing in left field. But to a larger... So we got that out of the way. And I'm glad, well, I, I'm glad you said it because the park is not going to change. No, and I haven't got it all out of the way because if you heard some of their comments at Yankee Stadium, a lot of them made the comment that, you know, it's nice to be rewarded when you hit the ball well. So even when they were hitting well, they were commenting on City Field. Yes. We'll be, uh, but it, because it's such a stark, it's such a stark, you know, difference between the two parks, and they play in the same city. Like, it's not often you play two games at Yankee Stadium and two games back at home right away. Like, I've heard them say, I'm not, I'm not taking them off the hook for that. They shouldn't say that. But, you know, I've heard them say similar things when they played, like, three games set at, city, at Citizens Bank and then come home and played at City Field again. Right. You know, the problem overall is City Field and, and being in the players' heads. It's in their heads. I'm, I'm sorry. It is at this point. You can't tell me it's... I mean, you can tell me it's not. I don't believe that it's not. I don't... I, I mean... You know, it, 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 there, there's a problem with them playing at home since the park opened. They've been awful at home except for one year since 2009. I mean, last year they were 33 and what? 40... Say, uh, 48. 48. Yeah. Is that what it is? 30, 15 games under 500 in your home ballpark. Yeah. How is that even possible? I, I don't know. You know, they don't stink. I don't know. That's the worst part about it. I can't sit here and say this team stinks. They don't. 
They don't stink. They have talent. They can pitch with any team in Major League Baseball right now. And they've got guys that can hit. But when they come home, they let the park get in their head, and they change their entire approach. How many called third strikes did they look at tonight? You said it. I think six. Right? At one, point it, was, at one point, it was three in a row. I think they struck out, what, 15? They struck out two more times in the ninth. So they struck out 14 times tonight. They struck out seven times in a row in the, in the seventh and eighth inning. Eight. Eight times in a row. Yeah. I mean, this is, look, we're, we're raw from just having watched them basically get seven hits in two games and making Masahiro Tanaka on the Yankees, who is very impressive. I'm not taking anything away from him, but making him look like the second coming of Greg Maddox. Well, he pitched, he pitched really well last night. Pitched extraordinarily well, but he did, not, he did not have great stuff for the first four innings, Cal. Didn't. They let him off the hook. I was watching it. I mean, the, I, I, I mean, I, no, no, I'm, but I'm saying watching on TV, you actually got an even better sense of his stuff. Like yeah. you could see the velocity on every pitch. His splitter was, he didn't have control of his splitter yet. He didn't get really good mastery of it till the fourth or fifth. Look, I don't mean to take anything away from him. He was unbelievably impressive. That's what you get for $154 million or whatever they paid for him. Okay, so then answer tonight when they're pitching. But tonight, that's like what I was Chase Watkins or whatever his name is. Chase Whitley. <laughs> Whitley? Chase? Chase? I, I don't believe, even. I believe it was Chase. Chase Whitley. He was he was pitching from the stretch. Oh, I mean, well. the, the guys the guys not even a starter. They had to. I mean, he had given up two hits. They had to take him out at seventy four pitches because he was gassed. He's not even a starter. I mean, and, and and they couldn't touch him. You can't, there's no defense for that. There's not. Okay, they haven't seen him pitch before. You can't keep using that excuse. Yeah. No, it's, again, as good as you felt about the first two nights of this series is as bad as you feel about the last two. I mean, I, we talked a lot about the lineup, putting the best lineup out there. They're not doing that on a nightly basis. They were able to do that in Yankee Stadium because of the No, they didn't. But they didn't on Monday night. No, they did the second night, right, because but, but of the they, lefty. But they still didn't. He had, he had the opportunity. He had a free spot. He had an extra spot, all the guys in that need to be in, and, and he, he still didn't take that extra spot. He used Bobby Brea, yeah. Who grounded back to the pitcher twice. He's, look, Cal, he's a terrible manager. He's terrible. But, he, but, but how come he's not getting called on it? Uh, because the GM is terrible? I don't know. I want to talk about. I want to ask you about the Yankees for a second, in relation to the Mets. Though, because you saw something in this series that was, we've been built o- up over and over again about these pitching prospects, and we just saw two of them for the first time, in Rafael Montero and uh, uh, Degrom tonight, Jacob Degrom, who was extremely impressive, by the way. Extremely impressed. I did not know. I knew a little bit about Montero. I had seen Montero pitch in a, you know, the Futures game or whatever. I knew very little of DeGrom. Wow. That kid's impressive. He was unflappable. And nothing, he's, nothing seemed to bother him. Got a couple of big double plays. I think he had six, you know, five or six strikeouts. Really threw the ball well. He only gave up one unearned run. You know, or I think they actually called it an earned run because you can't assume a double play there. Yeah, that was an, that was definitely an earned run. Right. But Which, look, they got they got a gift on Monday because they turned that double play and won the game. Right. So the, uh, baseball, that's 
Yeah, here's a cliche for you. That's the beauty of baseball, right? It all evens out. Right. That's why well, it's the best game in the world. But the, the, the Yankees were fascinating to me this week. Like, this is, this is not a good team. The Yankees are not a good team. I mean, with, with, with who's injured on their pitching staff. They're an old team. They're, but everybody acting shocked and surprised. Yeah, I know. That I don't understand. That, you know, Teixeira has been banged up. Now, he's been red hot, uh, but he's been banged up a little bit. Cal, you know, Jeter's down to like 250, you know, with like a 295 on base percentage. Carlos Beltran got put on the DL today. Sabathia is on the DL. Pineda is on the DL. Ichiro was unavailable for the whole series. The Brian McCann contract wasn't the biggest steal ever. <laughs> yeah. Oh. RTU yeah. flashback. <laughs> PJ has hair in this one. Like a lot of hair. <laughs> oh, that was offsides. That was cold. No. Do you Look, you led that charge back in December. And everybody was falling all over themselves to, to proclaim McCann the greatest signing ever. Now, he hit a big three-run home run in the series. It was in a loss, but he hit a big three-run home run in the series. But he was otherwise uneventful. They ran on him, and he looked slow and old. Although he shocked first tonight on that double. Yeah, but he was slow and old. You know? Yes, yes. So, and, and it's the first uh, 40 games of a five-year contract. Right. So He looks like this. But what was interesting, Cal, was their one bright spot pitching-wise, because I don't think you're going to see this out of Chase Whitley every week, their one bright spot pitching-wise, outside of Batances, who looked very good tonight, was a guy they paid whatever, $68 million for, or whatever it was, for Tanaka, for Masahiro Tanaka, who is young and, and is going to be around for a while. Meanwhile, the Mets brought up two of their big pitching prospects, you know, they had Wheeler go in the series. Wheeler pitched awfully, didn't, did a terrible job, was staked to a big lead and couldn't get through five. But Zach Wheeler's 25 starts into his career. Let's not jump off the bridge with J- Zach Wheeler. The Mets have all this pitching that they've been developing. They have no position players, right, that are coming through the pipeline. That there's well, they have, a short, they have a shortstop that they've brought up. I'm sorry, who's that? I don't know if you know him. I've heard of him. I haven't seen him in a while. Yeah, he's around. He's around. Starting shortstop, actually. Right. He, he just hasn't had a chance to play. <laughs> right. So, and the Yankees have none of that. Like, they don't have position players coming up either. No. You have Brian Roberts, and, and Solarte has been a great story, and he's, he's, he's hitting really, really well. I don't know if this is for real. Maybe he's a gem that, you know, what is he, 26, 27 years old? Um, but maybe he's a gem that was in the wrong organizations. He was with the Twins or whatever. Maybe they found a little something. Can't say his first name. He's a delight. But Yo they, Vergus? Yo, Yang, Yang, Yang Vergus. Yang Gervis? Yang Gervis. You know, Gary Cohen told the story of how the name came about. Yes. Like it's like half his mother's name, half his father's name, something. It's actually a made-up name. Yeah, it's a completely made-up name. It's like a combination of two names. Like when when they release the baby names of the year, it's not not in the top million. Right, and on the Social Security roster, there would be a one next to it. <laughs> With how many? Um, and Gary... Michael, Dylan, Yangervis. Yang. <laughs> you 
kicking memes around. Sweeping the nation. Right. Honey will call him Yang Gervis. I'm sorry, what now? Somewhere there is going to be some really dopey Yankee fan that does that. Um, and really sets up his kid for a really long, difficult go of it. Really long and difficult. Unless this guy is the real deal. Unless Yang Gervis and the 26 winds up in Monument Park, okay? You never know. But they, but they my point is who where is Gary Sanchez where is where are these where's the outfielder Heathcliff uh, uh, Huxtable where where are the outfielders where are the pitching where are the pitching prospects that are coming up through this pipeline now Batances looked great tonight but he's not going to be a starter is that my understanding uh, right now he's not no he's a relief pitcher there's no plans to make him a starter again no I believe it's probably the same thing that the that that the trend is in baseball you bring him into the bullpen to start him off. And he will eventually wind up in the rotation. No, but they were—they had moved him to the pen in the minors, Cal. Oh, uh, I don't know. Like, I guess Sweeney Murdy it was last week when asked about him said, I don't think there's any plans to bring him into the rotation. They don't think he's a rotation guy. They think he's a max effort reliever. Well, let's see. I mean, he pitched how many innings tonight? And I think he pitched two. Two and a third, three. maybe. Yeah, he pitched in. Yeah, in parts of three innings. Yeah, because yeah, he came in to get the he get, got that one out, and then he pitched two more innings. I don't think he but, broke a sweat. He was he was impressive. He struck out the side in the sixth or whatever. I don't think he I don't think he broke a sweat. Anyway, the Mets counter with you know three pitchers in this series that are and and Bartolo Colon, who are huge prospects, huge prospects. And it now begs the question, and one of them pitched extraordinarily well in Jacob deGrom tonight. Montero was fine. I thought fine Montero pitched well. Yeah, he was fine. I, I, For his first major league start, I thought he pitched, I thought he pitched well. Yes, I, he was as advertised. He's very composed. He's got good stuff. He's got pretty good control. He's around the plate. He walked more guys than he usually does. Um, I thought deGrom looked... Honestly, more polished. I thought I thought Degrom's out pitches looked a little better. He looked like he belonged more than Montero. Not to say Montero didn't look like he belonged. I think they but, both look like they belong. Yeah, yeah. But Degrom looks like he's been doing this. You like that's a good word, polished. Yeah, he looks like he's been doing this for a while. He just said he just said a little. It seemed like he had a little more confidence in his out pitches, a little more confidence in his breaking stuff. I feel like Montero, who had thrown like sixty-five pitches by the third inning was sort of on the Zach Wheeler plan, was sort of like feeling his way around and stuff. But overall, my point is, Cal, and it's the point you made tonight, you watch these last two games and you go, when are you going to freaking trade some of this pitching to get a bat? Because there is nothing on the horizon and you have a team full of guys who the ballpark is in their head. The, the, only, the only thing I'll say about that is that every year they bring in new guys and the ballpark gets in their head. I don't think the ballpark's in Granderson's head. I think he's fine. I don't know about that. I don't think it is. I don't think it is at all. No. And, and I only say this because I've listened to that guy talk a number of times. I don't know him, obviously. But he's very honest. He's very forthright. And I don't think he's so optimistic and also, he's played in a bigger ballpark and been successful. That I don't think going from 40 home runs to, say, 20 or 25 home runs this year, which he's going to hit, 
is going to really bother him that much. I really don't think so because he's going to hit 35 doubles in that park. I'll give I'll give you another. He's just series. a different guy than Jason Bay. Like you're right. No, you're, you're right. You know what I mean? Like he he doesn't seem to have the mentality where he seems so thankful to be playing baseball. That I don't. I really don't think that part gets in his head. I All don't. Right. So so let's let's every everybody else fine. And maybe not even because let's let's explore this a little bit. If you take the park out of the equation, another thing that this team is prone to are stretches of bad hitting. You know, they'll go in, they'll go a week and they'll look horrible for a week and then they'll break out and then they'll all hit and they'll look great. Notice how they always break out on the road though. Most of the time they break out on the road. Yes. But they also go through stretches on the road where they can't hit. Yeah. And I, and I think, I think as, as I'm talking about this, I think the bigger indictment on this group, and you could say it's the core group. You could talk about Murphy and you could talk about Wright and you could talk about those guys. I think the bigger indictment on them is that they don't know they don't know how to bounce back or to forget a bad performance. Like tonight, Wright had the worst game of the year, his worst game of the year by far tonight. Struck out three times, grounded out meekly with the tying run at third base. He didn't turn the double play in the field. Who's awful? My guess is that tomorrow. He's probably not going to have a good game. No. I think it's going. To, I think it's going to take him a couple of games to try to get back on track. I don't think Wright's that guy. I think. I think there are five other players on this team that are. I don't think. I. I think David Wright bounces back a little better than that. It always helps him though, Cal. I will say when he goes on the road. Yeah, that's true. Like if they were at City Field tomorrow, guaranteed he would strike out three times and have a bad game. True, but, but, um, it, but, but I, I think it always helps him if he has that awful game and then they go on the road the next day. I think he snaps out of it a lot more quickly. I'm going to tie tonight into last night, though. But I'm that's, because, tie... that's because he has the park in his head, Brian. Yeah, well, yes. That he, Of all people, it's him. Yep. I know. That's why they need to trade for, if you're going to trade for a bat, at some point, <laughs> turned into Madeline Kahn there and Clue. Flames. At some point, if you're going to trade for a bat, get a guy who makes that park look small. There aren't many guys like that. There's, three, there's three guys. Three guys. Let's see if I could pick out who you're thinking of. Sure. Can we play that game? <laughs> Absolutely, let's I mean, play that game. We can have some fun tonight, right? It doesn't all have to be... Look, I'm having fun. I'm not. PJ, so. PJ's eating a bowl of ice cream. He's having a blast. Why are you dancing like Alfonso Ribeiro? Why did I break into the Carlton? That was weird. Sorry. I didn't, okay. even, I didn't even know I could do the Carlton. That was impressive. Let's be honest. I can't, bet, I can't do the Carlton. I'll bet you couldn't do it again if you tried. No chance. That was just that was guttural. Yep. That was, that was a divine moment. A moment, uh, a moment of divine inspiration. Giancarlo Stanton is one of them. Correct. Right. Uh, I'm going to say Adam Dunn. No, I don't. No, no. I don't. I don't want Adam Dunn on the team. Uh, I'm talking about. I'm talking about guys I would want to trade for. Ike Davis. 
Look, if you're gonna, are you gonna take the game seriously? I want you to take the game seriously. I feel like you're not taking the game seriously. PJ, play the music again, please. Can we, can we be honest? Because I feel Ike like Davis, Ike Davis made that park look small a lot. Ike Davis was not. Thank you, thank you, Peach. A lot. Are you ready to take the game seriously now? All right, let's take the game seriously. Okay. Yes, he did. Not a, a lot is a strong word, but yes, he did. Guys, you would want to trade for that makes the park look small. Giancarlo Stanton is one of them. Hmm. Uh, Jose Bautista. Beep, 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 boop, boop, boop. No, but that's a great call. Well, that guy stole that from Joel Sherman. Really? Yeah, I did. No, I'm not disappointed. What did he say? Uh, He talked about maybe trading one of your pitchers for a Jose Bautista or or an Alexei Ramirez. What? Shortstop. That was his column today. Well, Jose Bautista doesn't play shortstop. No, no. We, we, two separate thoughts. You can I get see. Jose Bautista to play the outfield. and I would not trade for Ho- Jose Bautista simply because of his age. All right. I want, a, I want a young... I want a young... I want... And it's not a matter of I want. I'm talking about the guy that they should trade for to bring in to this lineup is a guy who needs to make City Field feel small or at least be so comfortable there that everybody in the lineup is like, dude, this guy hits bombs here. He has no trouble with the ballpark at all. At all. Giancarlo Stanton is one of them. G. Stanton. God, he would own this town. Oh, my goodness. Could you imagine? He would be the biggest star in this town. Baseball-wise, Cal. He would. No, he would not be. Well, that, if you trade Harvey, then yes. But. Derek Jeter is retiring. Gene Carlos Stanton would be Daryl Strawberry in this town. He wouldn't, be bigger, he wouldn't be bigger than Harvey. Fine. Biggest hitter in this town. He wouldn't be bigger than Yen Jervis. <laughs> Stanton is one. The other one is Troy Tulowitzki. Troy Tulowitzki has hit home runs in City Field that make it look like uh, it's a backyard park on Bell Boulevard. Troy Tulowitzki, uh, and of course he fits uh, the team, he fits the positional need. The Rockies need pitching. He has a huge contract that the Mets can't afford. But uh, Troy Tulowitzki would be one of them. And the other one, I'm going to say it and you're going to hate it. Should I say it? I'm going to hate it. You're going to – I hate it too, but it's true. I, I can tell yeah. just, just from how you're, how you're talking. Yeah, that's right. Hate it. Yeah, that's right. He would. He, he, he has no problem with Ryan Braun. I hate it. So do I. So do I. You're right. You, you, you nailed that. I hate it. I'm not saying I like it or, or, or even want it. I'm simply saying he's the type of player – that would have no problem hitting home runs in that ballpark. What are they waiting for, Steve? What are they waiting for? What honest? And this is an honest question. It's not a snarky. What are you waiting for? It's what are you waiting for? <laughs> Sandy Alderson. Are you sure it's not that? What are you waiting for, Sandy? Hey, Sandy. All questions to Sandy Alderson must be asked in the form of John Travolta. <laughs> Play, playing Danny Zuko. That would be great. Moving on. Right, it would be great if they made the reporters do that. Right, like, you know, if Rich Catino had a talk like John Travolta. Hey, Sandy, what are you waiting for? 
over here. Are you going to, like, bring in a hitter? Why you got no power <laughs> on this team, Sandy? Look, I'm going to... Seriously, de- what's the answer? I'm going to declare an edict. I want Bishop to write it down. From now on, when we <laughs> assume the role of somebody asking Sandy Alderson a question, we must. And this goes for you, Bishop. We must do our best. Danny Zuko. So, Cal, I will put it to you. Please start again with (laughs) proposition number 26 in mind. What are you waiting for, Sandy? Oh, Sandy. When are you, like, going to make a trade over here? I don't know what he's waiting for, Brian. I don't know. Do you think he do you think he will act, do you think he will ever pull the trigger? No. Yeah. You're you're there now, huh? Yep. So he, he so his, loves he loves all this pitching and he's so his, not giving any of it up. <laughs> so these plan? these raisins are mine. <laughs> he's, he's like history of the world. These are all my pitches. You use your pitches. These pitches are mine. So that's his plan. Correct. So they, they he's the transvestite in the history of the world. Good job, everybody. I re- I honestly believe that he believes that they have enough offense there and I they know. just haven't clicked. I think he does. Right? It's crazy pants. You know my my theory earlier in the week or last week, every every week it changes. It does it does fluctuate. Right. I gotta keep track of these. I need I need a marble notebook. To just keep track of all of my... Uh, Are you Eddie Vedder? All of my... <laughs> like a sports Eddie Vedder. You need a marble notebook. So just going to write this down. Um, uh, I don't ever know what Sandy Olsen's doing. <laughs> but, you know, if you make a trade, you can, you can all do it. Everybody knows that we have a lot of pitching. This is elderly woman behind the counter in a small town. <laughs> uh, Sandy Alderson is Eddie better. You know, a couple nights ago, I said to Stone and Depot, <laughs> you know, wait, wait, they were together. <laughs> Stone Gossard and Paul De Podesta were apparently hanging out <laughs> with doing spreadsheets with each other with uh, Sandy Vetter Alderson. Sandy Vetterson. That's it. You know, it gets hard to make trades. <laughs> and everybody will tell you, you know. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> moving on. Now, I guess we could make that an edict as well, that <laughs> you have to do your best Eddie Vetter when you're talking as Sandy Alderson. <laughs> So you're writing down in your marble notebook one of your theories, one of Sandy's theories. Oh, oh my theories about Sandy. <laughs> Here's another one. Um, I never wanted to write this song, but it's about whip. <laughs> this is called <laughs> black. This song is called Bob Hip. (laughs) 
batting average on balls in play behind the counter in a small town. Um, what's your theory? Tell me your theory. Lucas Duda was my was my other. Oh, that's the, right, the Lucas Duda theory. Lucas Duda, yeah. <laughs> you know, some people were asking us about Lucas Duda. <laughs> uh, he's the linchpin. Go ahead. What's your? I love this theory. Please tell me this theory. The theory. <laughs> I'll try to come up. I'll try to do it justice now. The, the theory about Lucas Duda is that. All of the problems with the team revolve around Lucas Duda. Wait, he's responsible. Yeah. Now it's, I'm, it's, yeah. it's just his being, right? Right, right. Now, I, made this, I, I came up with this theory the morning of the night that he got the hit to win the game <laughs> right. against the Yankees. Right. So, but I think that what they did was they did not – well, let's, let's do it chronologically. They went through the – well, no, yeah. Starting in the winter, they did not go out and pick up a first baseman. No, sir. Because they had three. Negative. They started the season with three. Correct. First baseman. Who has a three-headed first base platoon? No one. Only the Mets. You are correct, sir. And everything has been like, well, we have, we have to get Lucas Duda in the lineup. We're going to trade Ike Davis, finally. We're going to send Josh Satin down, finally. And Lucas Duda is still there. It's Marginal ball players at Bessa. You are and correct. They, they would not improve the first base position, which is arguably the marquee position on the field where you need to have someone that can hit the ball. Ha <laughs> Yes. Outright refusal. Oh, grade one. They refuse, <laughs> refuse to improve the position. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and reference Ed McMahon now. That's good. <laughs> we can take the show squarely back to 1987. Ed McMahon doing Eddie Vedder asking a question as if you were John Travolta. Um, what? what are we on, Survivor? Everybody knows... Uh... It's difficult to build a pitching staff... The GM of the New York Mets, Sandy Vetterson. Um, so, made a trade for Zach Wheeler. Everybody knows he can play. I don't. <laughs> Great needle drop there, Peach. Great needle drop, buddy. So, Lucas Duda is the problem. They never improved the position. They traded away Ike Davis. They finally sent Josh Satin down. The position is Lucas Duda's, you know, solely, and he is a black hole in the lineup that everybody loves. They all love him. They all love Ruben Tejada. The, all, of the, all of the guys that we talked about is the symbols of this team's failures for the last four years. Except Murphy. Except Murphy. Murphy's hitting well, playing good defense. Murphy's fine. They love these guys. They do. They love them. I don't understand it. Murphy's on your program, though, of if he has a bad game, forget it. That's it's going to be three games in a row. Yeah, I think so. He beats himself up a lot. But, yeah, Lucas, Lucas Duda as your first baseman every day in that lineup and thinking that's the solution. 
like there's the spot that you can improve immediately. Immediately. If you sign Kendry Morales tomorrow, you're better. Your, your offense is much better. Yeah, absolutely. Much better. Like, why do you need Lucas Duda in there? I don't know. And I, now to finish up on the Mets. Yes, let's because, let's do that because I'm, I'm getting I'm, upset now. I'm getting hoarse. <laughs> I need to know your thoughts, Sam Pete, on Juan Lagaris being on the bench. I I uh, three out of the four games against the Yankees this week. I think it's four out of the last five too, it's right? Four out of the last five. I just... Your thoughts. <laughs> um, sometimes. I, I can't even do better for the whole thing because I'm too upset. No, I want I want to hear I really I want to hear what you think about that. I want to hear. There's got to be a reason for it. But you, Brian, you and I have gone back and forth on this a number of times about Terry Collins and who sets the lineup and Chris Young has to get at bats because he was promised at bats, and I think that's all BS. I really do. I think it's all nonsense. I think Terry Collins sets the lineup. And I think he does so in a stupid fashion. So Terry Collins thinks that Chris Young gives him a better chance every night than Juan Lagares. Yes. Okay. I think he does. I think he thinks that. I think Sandy Alderson thinks that too. But Sandy Alderson's not making the lineup. No, I think that this just happens to be a coincidence. <laughs> He's still there? <laughs> I, think, I think PJ just wants to hear this song. <laughs> Always was a favorite Pearl Jam song of yours. I, but it's, it's not a matter of coincidence or not. He sets the lineup. Yeah, no, no, no. I think it's a coincidence in this particular oh, case. I see, I see, I see. I'm that they, bo- they both happen to that Chris Young is the guy that needs to play. Sandy Alderson because... because they, but they want to get Eric Young in the lineup, right? We agree that Eric Young needs to be in the lineup five out of seven days. Well, Eric Young is another one of those guys that is now not going to get a hit for three weeks. Because that's it. He had his run. He looked awful last night and tonight. Well, he gets that's exposed. That's it. Get him out. Get but him out tomorrow. Exposed. Get him out tomorrow. That's, but that's the whole point. Get him out tomorrow. But Chris Young is not the guy to play every day. Rotate Chris Young and Eric Young. That's the answer. Juan Lagares needs to play every day. He's a budding star in this league. Anything that we've seen out of him this year sh- shows that. He's at the very least a... Budding starter and everyday player. At the very every right, and when you are so when you are so obsessed with your pitching, and you're so concerned with your pitching, you need to have the best defensive lineup out there that you can that can still hit. And Lagaris is the best center fielder. They said it on the broadcast tonight. They think he's the best center fielder in the league. He might be. He might be. Arguably, the best center fielder in the league, and he can hit. It's not like Tejada who's playing a really good shortstop right now, but can't hit. K, you can carry him if the rest of the lineup is hitting. But you've got a center fielder that can play center field and can hit. And then you've got a guy making $7.5 million, that's batting two twenty, that plays every single day. I, I, you're right. I, that's my, those are my feelings exactly. But th- we've said this about Terry Collins forever. I'm sorry, it falls to Terry Collins. He makes the lineup. He makes the lineup. There's no way that Chris Young being promised at bats means you sit Ligaris four out of five days. I mean, Sandy Olison's a lot of things. He's not stupid. He's stubborn. 
But he's stubborn or not, Cal, he's not I, – I find it really hard to believe he's sending an edict downstairs to Terry Collins to play Chris Young. Maybe he is. Maybe it's Moneyball. Maybe it's, maybe it's Billy Bean all over again, making them – you know, trading Carlos Pena and making them play Scott Hatterberg. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Done it before. Maybe it's maybe – Terry, maybe Terry Collins has no choice. You can't and Sandy Alderson is saying, I built this team a specific way with specific players, and if you play them every day, it will work out of our 162 games. Maybe, that, maybe that's the case. It could, may, it could be. If that's the case and I'm Terry Collins, well, then I'm Art Howe. And I'm, well, forced, I'm forced to play the same guy uh, or the guys that the general manager wants and not the guys I want to play. Right. And you know, of course, they, they won 112 games that way, but that's fine. And I'm Terry Collins, who, and I'm 65 years old, and I'm not going to get another job in baseball when this job is over, so I'm going to just do whatever they want me to do. Yeah, and, and look. That's what's going to happen. He's the wrong guy for this team, Brian. Been saying it over and over again. He's a, he's a bad game manager, and he clearly does not have the, any sort of gumption to stand up to the, to the GM. And you, you know what? You just made me think of something. We got a, uh, a, an e, a declaration from the general manager this week, Sandy Alderson, of what a great job Terry Collins is doing. Right. Which he's not. He's not. Well, he's made, but, he's made glaring mistakes, in-game, field manager mistakes. Glaring. He made three last week. He had, the, he had a pinch hitter on the top step with a bat. That cost him a pitcher. And that cost him a pitch. I mean, he's made three glaring field matters. He's not doing a great job. You know why Sandy Alderson says that? I know a, why. Because he's a good soldier. Yep. And he listens to what Sandy Alderson wants. He's doing what Sandy Alderson wants him to do. That's right. Boy, I just, this all just came together for me. You know what? I've been saying over and over again that it's Terry Collins' fault. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, you're, no. Pro- you're probably right. No, it's both Sandy Alderson is probably forcing him to play Chris Young. It's both of them, though. I don't know why he would do it over Juan Lagares since he values defense and how many runs are taken away, but... Because he promised him at-bats. Right. But my point is, those at-bats are coming at... at the, uh, Juan Lagares' at-bats are coming at the expense of playing Eric Young, not Chris Young. No, Eric Young will now sit. Because your, be- your best outfield, if that's what you're talking about... Is Chris Young in left, Lagaris in center, and Granderson in right? By far and away. That might be one of the best defensive outfields in the league. Really is. Because Chris Young's a good outfielder. He's overrated, though. He's a very good outfielder, Cal. And I'll take him as my left fielder. Yeah. Yeah. And he's better than Eric Young, by a lot. Eric Young, who gambles on that base hit yesterday, which is a terrible play. Terrible. Terrible play. Eric, but Eric Young is going to bat. There's two out, and the pitcher's on deck, Cal. You can't do that. No. But anyway. All right, forget it. Move on. <laughs> we don't necessarily have to forget it. What's next? Last thing, though, the Yankees. Just on the Yankees. Really, that is, they are a weird team. I don't think their fans know what to make of them. I don't think they're more than an 85-win team. I really don't. I don't think so either. Yeah. They're just, I think they're just too old. They're not going to survive the year. No. Because they're, they're dropping like flies already. Yeah. But Tanaka 
is good. Very good. Exceptional. He's really good. I'll be curious to see how he pitches, you know, in the second half of the season when he starts seeing these guys again or these guys start seeing him again. Well, that's what, that's what I said to Joey. I said, I, I wonder how he's going to look. I wanted to look up Dice K's first time around the league. He pitched great. He was 19-3 and three his first year. Yeah, but I'm I'm saying I want to no, he was astounding. But I wanted to see like did he get off to like the seven and zero start? Well, it was nineteen and three, so he had to have gotten off to a huge a, a huge start at some point. Yeah, you would say right, unless he was zero and three and then won nineteen in a row. That would be impressive. I don't think he did that though. I, I'm going to punch that up. But while we while I punch that up, you want to just talk about the Rangers and La Habitant real quick. What do you want to talk about? The fact that the Rangers beat the Penguins, and, and I know you hate this. You hate this. I rooted for the Rangers in that series. In the series that just ended, I was I'm not, rooted. Uh, hold on, hold on. I'm not sure we can continue this, this whole podcast. I think we might have to holy grail the ending of this podcast. Not this uh, episode, mind you, either. The whole thing. The whole, all 176. That's right. You did it. The police are going to show up. We're going to run out of film. That I rooted for the Rangers. That's right. Cal blew it. Hmm. Cal Cal ruined Christmas. I didn't. (laughs) I didn't. Sandy Alderson ruined Christmas, let's be honest. Listen, I didn't know that it was Christmas. And Christmas comes once a year. So... This song is called Daughter. (laughs) (laughs) This song is called Winds Above Replacement, Behind a Counter in a Small Town. (laughs) War. Good God, what is it good for? It's a great stat. So I feel like, I feel like birds just flew out of my eye, like animated birds just flew out of my eyes, and I was skipping. <laughs> Parkside. The um, Dice K did not. Dice K was not eighteen and nineteen and three. What was he? Yeah, his rookie year. He was he was good. He wasn't great. He was um, fifteen and twelve. When was he nineteen and three? The next year. The next year. He, next year he was eighteen and three. Oh, he didn't win um, him in the playoffs. I think he did, but he's got some. He's got some really some shaky outings there. He was good in his first two, and then he gets like lit up for six runs and seven runs, and then there's a stretch where he's just uh, he's very very good. Complete game, eight innings, blah blah blah. But he was. Um, so it's going to be interesting with Matsuzaka. You're absolutely right, Cal, because. I don't know if the players, if the hitters catch up to him as quickly. I think he might have a really dominant first year. I think it might be a year before they sort of catch up to the splitter and when he's throwing it. 
You know, his rookie year he went 15 and 12 with a 4.4 ERA. His second year he was 18 and 3 with a 2.9 OERA, 167 innings pitch. Uh, always wild, 94 walks, 154 strikeouts. He had 200 strikeouts his rookie year. So the, that makes no sense that he was better his second year because you would think that the league would, would figure him out. That's right, but it, 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 it seems that with Dice K, he figured out the league a little better in his second year. Okay, I gotcha. And I think with, uh, with Matsuzaka, I mean with, um, sorry, uh, now I'm just blanking on his name. Uh, uh, Tanaka. Tanaka, thank you. Uh, I think with Tanaka, Cal, he's got better stuff. I think he's a better pitcher. And well, I th- he's more like you, Darvish. Yes. Well, you, Darvish, throws harder. He doesn't throw that hard. He's just got a real good mastery of all three pitches. He reminded, he did kind of remind me of Maddox. He was kind of like Maddox with a splitter. Yeah. His um, mechanics a little bit like Maddox, like when you watch him pitch. Yes. Yeah. His body. Slow release, too. That just kills you. Takes, yeah. I mean, just, anyway. Um, Rangers. Uh, in Rangers. The, yeah. I'll don't, now, don't worry. I'm not going to root for them in this round. Oh, good. Wow. Thanks. I, no. I, I have to say this, though. I have, on these very airwaves, killed the king, Henrik Lundqvist. You have. And, for, not, not, and, and off the airwaves, too. <laughs> that's correct. I haven't just reserved it for our little podcast. We've been hearing it for a long time. Yes. And um, I have to give him credit. He, uh, he was amazing. Stood on his head the other night, basically willed the Rangers back into that series and willed them to victory. This is a team that was 0 for 36 at one point on the power play, could not throw the puck in the ocean. And he, uh, he stood on his head, and they beat a bad goalie. <laughs> bad job by the Penguins. Uh, the goalie's not the reason why they lost. No, but you can't you can't go into the playoffs again this year with Marc Andre Fleury as your goalie, Cal. You no, can't. Of course, of course not. You and can't. that's and that's why heads are going to roll in Pittsburgh. And good. Yes. But, yeah. I, I. I. Look. I despise that team as well. I just despise the Rangers more. But um, this is I, a fascinating. This is a really interesting series. I'll probably watch a little of it too. What is your? Where's your? If only to root against the Rangers. What does your gut say? Now, Lundqvist has been awful in Montreal, right, during the regular season? So they've sort of had his number. I, oh, boy. I don't, I, we, we don't need to get into a breakdown. It's just what's your gut telling you? Montreal's a tricky team. They're a good team, but I think the Rangers match up a little bit better with them than Boston. They didn't have the size to, to handle Boston. I don't know if they have the speed to handle, the, to handle Montreal, but I, I, I don't know. Isn't it all just about? I mean, not all just about, but I think I'm I'm fascinated. I think it's about the power play. Well, I think it's I think. (laughs) Thank you, Mike Francesa. I think that it comes down to the power play and the goalies and the goalies. No, I I am uh, fascinated to watch Lundqvist in this series because this is a big spot for him. If Henrik Lundqvist can get this team on his back and get them to a Cup final, he answers a lot of questions because there's questions about his career and who he is and where he fits into the sort of conversation when it comes to goalies and look, I've had this conversation with Ranger fans and all you have to do is say one bad word about Henrik Lundqvist. They're so easy. I mean, it's really a delight. Yeah, I know, but because listen, they, they get so excited. He's five and one in game seven. Steve. That's, that's a, that's a 
very good record in deciding games of playoff series. He's five and one. Okay. He's given up one goal in four of those five in four of those six games. Five that's, of those six games. That's great. That's not enough for you. How many so that's he's five and one in game sevens. So that's six playoff series. Mm-hmm. How many playoff series has he been the goaltender in? More than six. It's gotta be probably what, fourteen? Obviously. Um we're around there. He's been their goalie for like eight years. Yeah, maybe. Fourteen, fifteen? Maybe maybe around that. Okay, so here's, he's... here's here's the thing. In that time, to me, he should have gotten to a cup final with one of these teams. Should have. Okay. I want to see him get there. All right. Well, no, I, you don't want I, to see him get there. No. But I'm saying... Yes, I know what you mean. In the conversation, I bust his chops all the time. Uh, but I, I, think I, I, I think I figured it out with my buddy Josh when we, uh, after the Game 7 the other night. We were walking to the train after work. He's a huge Ranger fan, but he's, he's a good one. Like, I can bust his chops a little bit. He's very easy, though. All you got to do is say one thing about the king. Yeah. Or as I call him, the king without the ring. Um, and I said, I said, it's not even, it's, it ceased to be even Lundquist at this point. It's more how, how way over hyped and over prestiged he is by Ranger fans. Like they, they put this guy on a pedestal that he has not earned. Sorry. He hasn't for, for them, for their own franchise. You feel like he won't earn it unless he wins a cup. It's never his fault. It's never his fault. Every Ranger fan I ever talked to, the fact that they've not been to a Stanley Cup Finals, forget about win a cup, they've not been to a Cup Finals in his tenure as Rangers goalie, never his fault. It's always the rest of the team. Well, I've seen lesser goalies get their teams to Stanley Cup Finals, and there were lesser teams than the Rangers had. So just, just get there, and then we can have the conversation. Well, they've got an awfully good chance of getting there this year. Until then, take the statue down. Will you please? Please. Please? The king. Please. You want to have some fun, uh, bring up Lundquist and say that he's not the best goalie in New York. <laughs> then their heads really explode. <laughs> well, who would be? Well, Brodeur. But Brodeur's in New Jersey. Yeah, well, tri-state area. You have to you have to say the tri-state area. You could say New York because Miller, Miller might be better. He's not better. No. <laughs> <laughs> down do? downstate. Downstate, <laughs> not, not SUNY. <laughs> not SUNY goalies. Okay, um, and then last thing, the Nets eliminated. And I, I have to say one thing about this, Cal. You were yeah, because you were you were on that fence about becoming a Nets fan. You're out now, right? Can't happen. You're done. No, no, just basketball in general. I cannot be a fan anymore. No? Nope. It, I was watching the end of that Game 7. That sport... Well, I'm about to really drop the hammer here. That sport is ridiculous. It's stupid. The NBA is stupid. It really is. It stinks. It's awful. I saw... The, the foul calls are so inconsistent... It's maddening. I don't know how anybody could watch that game. I don't, I don't know how. I don't know how you enjoy it. How do you enjoy a playoff basketball game? Uh, millions of people do. 
It's not a niche sport. I certainly don't begrudge them that. That sport has completely lost its way. Completely. We need a whole show for this. Because, Cal, I watched the last five minutes of the Nets Heat game, and I saw three, four... I, I actually recorded one of them on my phone, Cal. I, re, I rewound it and recorded it. So I could ask everyone how that's not a foul. How can the rules be so different every trip down the court? I can't take it. I can't take it. Can't watch it. If I was like an actual fan of these teams, I would have thrown my television in, well, not the new 55. Oh, no. I would have taken the old TV, thrown it into the driveway. You'd have saved it just for that purpose. It's, it's, I, I would lose my mind. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. It's there, tough. Was a, there was a play down the stretch where Joe Johnson was driving to the hoop and LeBron James, and this is the play I recorded, hugged him from behind. Hugged him. Wrapped him up. Like, look like he was tackling him. Wrapped him up with two arms. It was a, like a Jack Tatum form tackle. Perfect form tackle. And nothing was called. Nothing. Then the next time down the, down the court for the Heat, Dwayne Wade got breathed on incorrectly. Foul. I, I, I don't know how you could watch that sport. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't know what to tell you because Look, I... You know you're in bad shape when Bill Simmons is going on and on before a game the other night about how it's a bad officiating crew that they're assigning to this game. Before the game. It's a shame that they're giving them this officiating crew. Why? Are there not rules? Do you have rules in place for the game? Do you know the rules? Does anybody know the rules? Oh, that's a, that's a bad job by the NBA to give this game that officiating crew. <laughs> Why? Are they not certified? NBA referees. But I can't. I can't watch it. I can't watch it. Look, hockey penalties are ambiguous. Guys get superstar treatment all the time, but a penalty quite often is a penalty. There are times when guys dive. There are times when when referees miss calls. Absolutely, it does not nearly decide the game the same way it does in the NBA. Not even close. Not even close. I can't, I, no, no, no. You're good? Good day, I say good day. I can't watch it. LeBron James gets, it's, he doesn't get Sidney Crosby treatment. He gets, it's ridiculous. Well, Michael Jordan treatment. But he gets it on both sides of the court. Like, Sidney, Sidney Crosby can't get the type of favorable treatment. Like, it's just not possible in a hockey game. He doesn't touch the puck enough. He, they come close. They try to give him as, as favorable treatment as they possibly he gets can. Extraordinarily favorable treatment, Cal. I'm not saying that he doesn't, but hockey is a is just the nature of hockey is a different game. LeBron James touches the ball every time down the court, every time, and he plays defense on the other side every time down the court. I mean, there were literally there were literally like nine plays in a row. Nine separate possessions for each team where the calls were different each time. Each time. I, I don't know how you could watch that. 
feels rigged. It does. It, it might as well have been wrestling last night. Hey, how about Phil Jackson? Not being uh, able to who, bring in Steve Kerr. I just don't. Well, if anything, that's sort of a... I, I, I know the, the big Nick fans around me were saying so. Like, they, they didn't seem to care. But um, And you know what the sin of all of this is, Cal? I would love to like basketball. I really would. Well, but that's why when you it's, had your Dayton run this yeah. year, you could get into that because college basketball is different. Yep. There's no star treatment. There's no it's 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 such a better game. The NBA might as well be the WWF. Let's just get steel chairs, bring Rodman back. Let's get steel chairs involved. It's a joke. Okay. Yeah, I I can't I can't. Hey, do you want to uh do you want to touch on the draft before we get to the fun load, or do you want to just we'll do the draft another time, do the fun load now? What do you want to do? I think I'd like to go to the fun load. I just want to say one thing about the draft for each team, if I could, or ask you one question. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd love that to happen. Let me start with the Giants, because we didn't get to talk about Beckham, Odell Beckham a lot, but I've since talked to our buddy K-Mac, who's the Giant fan, who I trust empirically. And um, he really likes that pick. And I think he does because he made a great point. And that was, if you're retooling with Eli Manning, who is 34, 33, 34 years old, you only have a small, the window is really shrinking. There's not time to take Zach Martin. Okay. You lost Hakeem Nix. You still have Victor Cruz. Ruben Randall stepped up a little bit, but you don't know if he's the answer yet. You uh, they they brought in Rashard Jennings, which was a good move. They got a running back in the in the oh the Boston College running back is pretty yeah good. is real good. And his point was, I I Eli needs weapons. You know they drafted a center who they like a lot, who maybe can come in and start. Pew turned out to be passable. Um, you know the kid they drafted out of Syracuse last year. So the O-line, while a problem, if in this new offense, giving Eli a new offense at 34 years old, if you run him out there with Victor Cruz and that's it, and say good luck, that's not going to work out. So his point was diminishing chance to win, shrinking window, give Eli the best weapons that you possibly can. I thought that was a good point. Very good point. Yeah. Now I want to ask you about the Jets draft. So they took all 12 players. Give me, obviously, we love Calvin Pryor now. Yeah. I absolutely love him. Give me the pick you were surprised at, and give me a pick you like a lot. Uh, we, we didn't, off, off podcast, we didn't get to talk about that much. No, not really. We talked about McDougal a little bit. Give me, how do you feel about McDougal now? Do you like him better in the cold light of day? Yeah, I do. Um, I'm not as concerned about his injury history. As I initially was. Yeah, me too. I think he's going to be okay. Yeah. I, 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 I think he's going to be a great cover cornerback for them. You know, Rex talked about something on with Francesa today, and Itzik talked about it yesterday on with Boomer and Carton. Look at all these Jets on WFAN. Uh, and they said something that we were sort of noting during the second two days of the draft, or the, <laughs> the two days of the draft after the first round. And that was character and guys who love football and, you know, all these 
guys that they, and Rex said it today, Itzik said it today, it's a brand of player that they're looking for where they're concerned with does the guy love play? It's like almost like the anti, anti-Vernon Golston draft, yeah. draft strategy. You know, get guys that love to play, get guys that, and it's such an ambiguous sort of coach-speaky thing, like, oh, this guy loves football. But I feel like they're quantifying it maybe, no? You know, after, after reading Collision Low Crossers, have you heard of that book? I have. Yeah, it's a jet book. We're the only ones. I think so. But, you get, like, when you, when you look at the guys that they draft now, you look at it from a whole different perspective. Yes. Because you know everything that goes into vetting these guys out and determining who they're going to draft. Yep. You know, and, and, and when they talk about their drafting high-character guys, I, I believe they did their due diligence with all 12 of these guys. Yep. And these are 12 guys that fit that mold. Yeah. And you I know? think, I think even more so Cal with Itzik. So like collision, low crossers describes Tannenbaum. Itzik came off as such a bigger football guy, like a coach. Like he sounds like a coach. See, Tannenbaum used to say these things and this is not a knock on Mike Tannenbaum, but he, he didn't play. He didn't coach. He learned everything about football from watching it. You know, John Itzik played at Dartmouth. John Itzik coached after Dartmouth. His father was a coach. He's a father, football lifer. His father was the offensive coordinator for the Jets in 1979. So he speaks like a coach, and it's genuine. Mm-hmm. You know, Tenenbaum was well-rehearsed, and I'm sure he had insight into players' abilities. John Itzik was bringing up stuff about, you know, Dexter McDougal or other guys that was like, wow, did you... Oh, co- yeah. Did you coach the corners? Yeah, Tannenbaum never broke down X's and O's about guys. He spoke no. very, very generally about them. And if he did, it was rehearsed. It was scripted, of course. Yeah. And Idzik also could be scripted. He's, it does, but he, doesn't he, sound he, like it at all. He's, but he's very measured in, in what he says, and he's, he thinks about every single word that comes out of his mouth. He's very thoughtful about it. Absolutely, but he was asked something about by Boomer that was very football-y, inside baseball-y, football-y, and he had no problem commenting on an, an X's and O's thing. Right. No, I believe that. You know, I just, it just seems like he... he I, I feel like the McDougal pick was a little... Uh, uh, I didn't like as much because I felt like they could maybe get him... Ba- it has nothing to do with the player. I trust their judgment of the player... It was, you felt it was a little bit of a reach at the time. I felt it was. I felt they just could have gotten him later if they loved him. They had three fourth round picks. Yeah, but they. But you know what? They got. They ultimately they got the guys that they loved yeah, all they, along. You know, my brother really to me, Cal had the quote about them taking all twelve guys and using all twelve picks. I should say, and using all nine the second day, second and third day, and that was the draft is a friggin' lottery, right? Your first and second and third round picks, you have you 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 feel like you have two numbers off the bat, right? So you feel you feel like you're given two numbers. It's still a lottery. You still got to hit on the other four. Right. He said that you know rounds four through seven are a complete lottery. Why not give yourself as many tickets as possible? You know, you got nine I, tickets. If you cash in on three of them. You're way ahead of the game. If you only have six tickets, your odds of cashing in on three of them go way down. Where did I hear 
God, I don't remember Cleveland. where I heard it. It was Cleveland. It was it Cleveland? Is that where I was? That's where you were. <laughs> you were drinking. I was, in Cle- I was in Cleveland again. 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 Always wind up there. No, I'm, I'm going to be in Cleveland June 21st and 22nd. You are. Playing a benefit. Esther laughs a lot. <laughs> at the Laugh House. Uh, at Giggles, Mc, Giggles McLaughs a lot. It's a great, that's a good club. I don't know if you've played there. No, I'm gonna, I am going to be in Cleveland on the 21st and the 22nd. Oh, I'm, playing, I'm playing a gig with my college band. Really? It is our 20-year reunion. Oh, stop. That's really happening? Hellcat Maggie, 20 years. Wow. We started, Dan Bowles and I started the band in our dorm sophomore year of college at Dayton 20 years ago this April. Yeah, right around this time. Oh, that's really cool. We played cool. our first gig. And they, the guys from the band, uh, uh, some of them are from Cleveland, they play a benefit gig. And I'll, I'll, we'll talk more about this when it gets closer because it, it's a really nice benefit uh, for Tommy, one of the band members. His brother uh, had passed away a few years ago, and Tommy set up a foundation in his name. And uh, his brother was a football player, a big Dayton football player and stuff. And um, so they set up a foundation in his name, and every year they play a benefit gig where they raise money for one particular family and or, you know, young student or something. So it's really, it's a great cause. I've never been able to go. This is, I think, the seventh year they've done it. Sixth or seventh year they've done it. I've never been able to go. This is a big anniversary. And I'm going this year, right, for the 20-year anniversary. That's cool. Going to play drums on a couple of tunes, uh, sing on a bunch of stuff. It'll be a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah. So anyway, I'm going to Cleveland. Uh, oh, oh, so what I was saying was... Yeah, that- where were you? I, had, I was reminded of what Idzik said last year when he took the job and how he said that the draft was going to be a lifeline for them. That's it. And then now it makes perfect sense that they would use all 12 picks because it's a life, they've, they have just completely refreshed this roster. Yep. And they have put some veterans or some, not veterans, but young veterans, guys like Kyle Wilson, guys like Stephen Hill. They put some guys, underperforming guys, they put them on notice yep. that we've got talent in, in camp now get your act together or you're gone. You're going to lose your job. That's a tremendous point by you because everybody thinks of it in terms of the Calvin Paces of the world and Antoine Barnes, guys that are a little older. This is a young veterans look where, you know, you brought up two great guys, Kyle well, Wilson you, and Stephen Hill. Hey, did you think of the volume that they brought in at cornerback and at wide receiver? receiver. Yep. You know, yeah, so, no, that's an excellent point. Young veterans, guys in the league two, three years. Guys that now it's time. Make, you know, make it or break up. it. Wake up, Cal. Make it or break it. If you think you're just going to make this roster, wake up. One last thing on the Jets, and then I'm done. And then we can do fun load. I love the fact, this, is, this might be my favorite storyline of the Jets, or lack thereof, as it were. You almost forget that Chris Johnson is on this team. Yeah. You never hear about Chris Johnson. No, Rex brought it up today and uh, when Francesca asked him about weapons on the offense. And he was like, well, I think we have. He's like, you know, we added Decker and we did this. And I think Gina's... He goes, and, and you know, we added Chris Johnson, who's kind of a pretty good threat and, you know, can take the ball to the house anytime. And Jason Morrow, like, they added Chris Johnson. Yeah. Like, very quietly. It's It's... Reminiscent of adding Tomlinson, except that he's younger. Yeah. And he provides a completely different look because he can catch the ball out of the backfield and he will be tailor made for Marty Morningwig. Yep. Yep. 
you know? it's, it's a great – I mean, somebody said it. You know, everybody got all over it for, uh, Itzik for moving at a snail's pace through free agency and not spending enough of the money. He spent the he, – he, he got the best free agent on the uh, wide receiver on the market. If Chris Johnson had been released um, earlier or had been a free agent, he would have been the best free agent running back on the market. And he got the best free agent quarterback on the market. So not sure what mm. now. You know, anyway. Itzik fail. It's a fail. Okay, let's let's move to the fun load because this is I, guys. I've been waiting all day to talk about this. This is a Jim Dandy. Can we play the fun load music? Do we do we have that? Do we still have that, Scotty? Can we punch that up? <laughs> Make that louder, Peach. Make that louder. My mind is clearer now. I've lost all too well. This is good because. PJ knows what this fun load is based on. If you strip away, strip away from the man, he looks just like you. <laughs> Too soon? Too early? Too early? Okay, so the reason PJ is playing Jesus Christ Superstar, I want you to set the stage really quickly, PJ, for what happened to you today, because it's gonna. I want us to be able to talk about the fun load. So what happened to you today? What happened to me today was I was walking down the street to the, uh, the early bus stop, and uh, a mother greets me at the corner, all smiley, because she was excited. And she said, have you ever heard or seen Jesus Christ Superstar? Did you, do you know this person or no? She's a neighbor. She's a neighbor. She's a neighbor. Did you look around for the, the cameras? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Did you look around for the cameras? Like this is right. like, this is a put on, right? Exactly, exactly. So for those of you who don't know, and there may be many, uh, PJ not only <laughs> knows about Jesus Christ Superstar, having seen the movie and listened and been pretty ensconced in it, he actually directed a production of it in college. Um, of Jesus Christ Superstar, it's it's pretty much he could probably write some form of a fifteen to twenty page thesis on both its importance in the rock musical scene and uh, the lyrical. You know, anyway. So yes, you're quite familiar with it. It's like to a put, it's put it, like, yeah, joke. To put it in perspective, it would be as if someone asked you, Steve. Say, have you ever heard about the Jets? That's it. This is this is what it, yeah. and this is this is the fun load. Yeah, I strolled right into my wheelhouse and I didn't even know it. Right. So this is what a I want. Pleasant little morning. This is what I want to do for the fun load. I want to ask you guys that I want to set up a couple of these. Like the stranger asks you <laughs> a question, and I, and and Cal, I want to do a sports one, but it's got to be specific. Like, what would you what would you burst to talk about? Sporting wise. Oh, okay. I got it. Right. Sure. Like, PJ, like PJ, you probably couldn't, like, three and a half hours later, this poor woman was probably asking for, like, a Gatorade. And, like. Let me tell you, I had her head spinning before the bus even got there to pick up the kids. Right. Wait, wait. No, hold on. Back up, because when she asks that question, how do you respond initially? I said, I, I laughed. I said, 
I know quite a bit about Jesus Christ Superstar. Sit down. Sit down, exactly. Let's pull up to these two chairs here. I told her I had directed it and that, and that you know, I, I had seen the movie and seen it on Broadway. and you Clear know, your day. Yeah, I've had the script on my desk and I, you know, marked it up. I mean, I, I really got into it. Right. Why, did, why did she ask you this? She was had it, just random seen... Or? No, she, uh, she had just come back from out of town where she had seen a local production of it, and it was the first time she'd ever seen it, and she thought it was great. Okay. And she knew that I liked theater. Uh, so there, okay, so there is a little bit of a connection. Because when I heard this story, I thought it was just some random happenstance thing that, hap- that was just crazy like that. Right. <laughs> like you just Randomly. bump into a guy, and he goes... A stranger. Hey. Right. <laughs> you like Jaguars? <laughs> and he just wants to talk to you about cars. Yeah, it was not exactly that. Okay, but still, you would never expect that. No, not not her. out of this neighbor. No, this, I, I would never, ever say that this neighbor and I were going to talk theater one day. And also, it's it's very it it just so happened like she could have said anything there. Maybe she went out of town and saw a production of Sweeney Todd, and she right. would have said it to you, and it would have been a different for the same reasons because she knows you're into theater a little bit and blah 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 blah, yeah. and it would not have been the same thing. No, it would have been a like, much shorter, cordial sort of. Oh, I like it. I've seen it. I right. like it. As, <laughs> as as opposed to right. the the three-hour question-and-answer session that right. you engaged You actually moved it to BAM. You actually moved it to the Brooklyn Academy of Music. you like, here, jump in the car. We're going to go ahead and go over to, uh, to, to River in uh, Red Bank, and we're actually going to do this gonna on do the a, stage. We're, we're going to do a quick Q&A back and forth. Right. Hold on. I'm going to get on the phone with about 50 to 60 people. I'm going to have them come down, and they're going to be the audience for what I'm about to do with you. So, so that's 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 sort of my other point. Like she could have asked, it could have been any theater. It happened to be Jesus Christ Superstar, where you're not just a little knowledgeable, you're pretty much Ted Neely. So, um, so I wanted to ask you guys. That's the fun load. Like let's, but it's got to be specific. Like it's got to be that direct. It's got to be that wheelhouse. And Cal, I want to ask you the first one for sports, right? So you're walking the girls to the bus stop, and there's somebody there who knows you do a podcast, because let's face it, we're huge. And they know you do a sports podcast or whatever. Right. What, what is the, what do you want them to ask you? Like say, hey, do you know anything about, and you're just going to, that's it. You're going to clear my, <laughs> Margaret, clear all my calls. <laughs> clear <laughs> Clear my calendar. It's going to be a while. So you're a baseball fan. Do you remember the 86 Mets? There you go. There you go. Yeah, I think, but that's not specific enough, is it? You can, I I was thinking of this. I have one for each sport. You want to go more specific? (laughs) Okay. Okay. So I have one for each team, basically. Right. So, but my Met one is, hey, you know what's interesting? I heard somebody the other day say, I know you're, you're into sports or something, right? I heard somebody the other day say that, um, 
you know, make some kind of comment about Game 6 of the 86 World Series in that 10th inning. You know, something about maybe Mookie Wilson beats Buckner to the bag. I don't know. Do you know anything about this? Okay, and then you proceed to play by play, pitch by pitch. And then, and then, and then away we go. Right. Like, I'm... <laughs> it, has, it, it has to be you're jumping out of your seat to talk about it. The 86 game six. Okay. And, and specifically Mookie Wilson beating Bill Buckner to the bag. Oh, just that moment. We can do it on the 10th inning. Mm. It doesn't have to be that specific. I'm just saying, you know, what are you busting? It's got to be more specific than the 86 Mets. Okay. Peach, I'm going to, well, Cal's thinking about that. I want to throw you, you had a bunch of these today, and people made suggestions, and you made suggestions, but. <laughs> yes. If, if they were a, all, oh, I got They it. were all dead on. If there was a music one, though, give me the music one. Like, it's not as simple Someone, as, like, do you like Pink Floyd? It's got to be more specific than that. Well, I mean, geez, if they, if they wanted to talk about Pink Floyd the Wall, once again, here's something where <laughs> I was, I was incredibly immersed. About it. Right. Do I? Do I want to talk do about I? it? Do I? As a matter of fact, we did a production. I've got a fax from Roger Waters in my house. <laughs> Right. Let's Wait here. Let me go get it. <laughs> Hold on. Come with me. <laughs> Come with me. All right. What's your sports one, Cal? So sports, somebody, okay. So I would I would love to spend an afternoon talking about the 1999 playoff series against the Braves. Wow. That would be. That, and I can talk for for hours on it. That's beautiful. That's exactly it. Like you run into somebody and you're like, you know what? I caught on ESPN Classic the other day. I caught the walk-off Grand Slam, uh, you know, home run or whatever. Do you know? Do you remember that series? Do I? That's only the tip of the iceberg about that series. Let me take you back to Game One. Right. And then. And then it and, and it ends six hours later when Kenny Rogers walks Andrew Jones. Uh, okay, so I have an I have another one for pop culture. So somebody, <laughs> I was thinking about this. Now this. I started to think more about the pet argument one too. Like we have, like we just, we just got into a pet argument again at my 40th birthday party, which my wife threw, which was amazing. Um, but it's an argument we started right here on this show four years ago with Dr. E. Ray Stat, and that's about Margot Kidder <laughs> and Margot Kidder being 70s hot or not hot at all. And this, so this is like if somebody said to me, like I walked to the bus stop, ah, I saw like an A and E biography on Margot Kidder the other night. I don't know what to make of her. Was she attractive? What do you think? Any thoughts on that? And away we go, <laughs> because then it opens up this whole Margot Kidder porthole, portal, not a porthole so much. How about a rabbit hole? A rabbit hole where there's seventies hot. And then there's empirically hot. And then there's, for some people like Dr. Ray Stat, and you have to say it like Costanza, either you're hot or you're not. There's no conditions. And if you're hot in 1977, you're hot in 1997 and 2014. I don't think that. I think there's 70s hot. Huh. I think if you're in 1977, you look across the bar and you see Margot Kidder, I would, I would not kick that out of bed for eating crackers. She has that 70s look. She's got the feathered hair. She's Pony. got 
She's bony. She's got high cheekbones. She looks like, like Kate Jackson. Kate Jackson. Uncle Tommy, the other day at my birthday, because this came up, brought up the greatest Allie McGraw. Allie McGraw. Allie McGraw. Allie McGraw was not Tom- overly thin, though. Yeah, but she's still 70s hot. About Susan St. James. Absolutely. About Susan St. James. While we're there. She was a handsome woman. <laughs> so there you go. We have this conversation. You sound like two like- old ladies on a park bench now. That Susan St. James was something else. That's what I, that's what I want somebody at the bus stop to ask me. You know, I was watching Superman the other night. I don't know what to make of Margot Kidder. Sit what? there. Why would somebody ask you that? Waiter. We're going to need three... Because they, maybe they saw Superman last night. But, what about but Carrie what Fisher? The, Carrie Fisher Carrie is empirically hot. What about Talia Shire? You put Carrie Fisher at age 23 in 2014, she's hot. You put, you put Margot Kidder there, 1977 Margot Kidder, in 2014, not hot. <laughs> you got, you're rough. You're very rough. Hey, look, I calls it like I sees it. All right, Cal, give me a, uh, give me a pop culture one. Oh boy, pop culture. And I think it, I think it delves into the pet argument. Like I think that really, or not argument, but like, like some. I have, I have one more that'll illuminate this. But go ahead. No, give me another one just to help me out with this because I'm having. I I walk to the bus stop. Somebody says something about. Uh, ask me about. Uh, hey, have you ever listened to? Did you? Uh, it's weird. I saw Guns N' Roses cover band over the weekend. Did you like Guns and? Did you were you into Guns and Roses? Look, waiter. Is there anything about them worth knowing? Waiter, put a pot on. <laughs> because then, then the person follows it up with, and I really like Nirvana, you know, too. Like there was a Nirvana cover band that weekend too. Waiter, we're gonna leave the bottle. We're gonna do this <laughs> because it's. I, I have a little theory about Guns and Roses being the bridge between hair rock. You know, hair metal bands and party all the time bands and grunge. Please sit down. And Alice in Chains, of course, being in the middle. Of that. So I could do four hours on that. I would love somebody to ask me about, hey, I saw a Guns N' Roses cover band. Were you into them? Let's hey, grab a seat. Not just, I'm not just into them. There's got to be, there's got to be movies, Cal, that you can probably that you talk well, about more than yes. than others. Yeah. Well, that was that was where I was going, and that and that's the one that you know we always talk about it. And you know, I heard, I I was talking to my friend the other day, and they were telling me about this movie, The Natural, that's supposed to be like the best baseball movie of all time. But do you know anything about The Natural? It's so funny. I had never seen The Natural until this weekend. Have you ever seen that movie? You're gonna need a cushion of some sort for this bench that we're on. Did you eat yet? Did you? Did you? You want to eat? We no. should eat. Robert Redford, 70s hot or empirically hot? <laughs> oh, I think you know the answer to that question. Yeah. He is, not, he is not period hot. He is, he is empirically hot. <laughs> hey, look, Rock, you, Rocky two. Was that any good? <laughs> you, know, you know, I've heard a lot of people say that Rocky two is better than Rocky one. You have any thoughts on that? <laughs> oh, boy. We're, we're really going to need... It might get cold out. You want to go grab a sweater because we're going to be into the evening. I have to make a call <laughs> at two just to let, to let them know I'll be home tomorrow. The person, the, the person's like, it's nine fifteen. Yes, I have a conference call at two. <laughs> um, 
So we, I probably will just take us right up to that. I might DJ, I heard, I heard there was this director, David Lynch, and he was like <laughs> far out. Should I take a chance on David Lynch? Peach, I thought of a better one for you for that. Oh, wow. Even better. It's simpler because it, because it could actually happen. And that's the person who kind of knows you says, boy, I just don't get David Lynch. I wish somebody would explain it to me. <laughs> oh, and, you mean, and you away mean we someone, go. Who, someone who indulges my fantasy of being uh, that college professor. <laughs> that's correct. That, that, I, that I always wanted to be. Yeah. Yeah. As, as I send my thesis to you every other day now. Yes. Well, you, you, I mean, right now, your current one is, uh, boy, I just finished up with True Detective, man. Do you have any, any theories or thoughts on that? <laughs> As a matter of fact, I do. See, I envision two other people talking about it, having a conversation, and PJ kind of sitting with his back to them, like <laughs> leaning back in a chair. And as soon as he hears it, he, like, falls out of the chair. Like, he can't get there fast enough. Excuse me, did I hear you mention I'm sorry. Detective? I couldn't help but overhear you say <laughs> that you didn't get Magnolia. <laughs> Just, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to swing around. I'm going to go ahead and swing around. I'm going to swing around on, uh, onto your guy's side of the bench. Okay, I've um, actually done that. That, that one, not, not Magnolia, um, Mulholland Drive, the David Lynch movie. I actually did sit with someone for over an hour. And, and talk them through, through it. it, scene by scene. Yeah, that's good. See, that's great. That I can, doesn't I talk can, to me just, much anymore. <laughs> no, that was the, that was the end of that. I simply cannot believe this happened to you. I can't. It was I, it was I, the start to a heck of a good day for me. I was just, uh, you know, I was hitting home runs all day. I should have bought a lottery ticket, but I didn't have time. By any chance, would you happen to have any thoughts? Give me your thoughts on what was better, Mr. Roper or Mr. Furley, and how either one of them played into that show. Can you, can you shed some light on that? Now, while that's a favorite topic, that's not what I could go on about for too long. Right. Oh, I could talk about that forever. Yeah. Cal, Cal, I can't, Cal I can't did do too much on Roper one. and Furley. Yeah. Well, it would it would all it would lead into you know the other ancillary characters, Angelino, Dean Travers. Hey, this this is a real strength of yours. I like this. Felipe Jack. I feel like I know you better. <laughs> There's a uh, greedy Gretchen. Greedy Gretchen. Steve, I I heard you were a Jet fan. Do you know anything about um, they had a playoff game against the Cleveland Browns or something like that? I don't know. I'm from Cleveland, and somebody said the Jets. Yeah, it was the uh, it was the 1986 divisional playoff game. Uh, the Browns won in double overtime, 23 to 20. The Jets had a 24 to 14 or a 20 to 10 lead with four minutes and 26 seconds to go. Here's the play calling sequence by Joe Walton. <laughs> he was just coaching Jets, and then boom, and and away we go. And I and I you know. I have two hours on that. I have two hours, a solid two hours on that. On just the last four minutes in just overtime. Just the last four minutes, yeah. 20, double overtime. Right, the overtimes. Yeah, yeah the overtimes, exactly. Um, we, we, we should wrap up the show, but I want, I want one more each. Give me, your, give me your dream. And I think we had a call. It might be Elwood. Elwood, if we, we're, we're really, we have to wrap up the show. Please call back next week, buddy. Please call back next week. We want to talk about the Pacers. We want to talk about the draft. 
please call back next week if it is Elwood. Um, but we, we do need to wrap the show. But give me one more. Give me one more. Wheel, what, what should we call these? Ask wheelhouses? Or these are perfect wheelha- wheelhouses. It's a wheelhouse ask. It's it's a what? wheelhouse. It's a wheelhouse. <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure what you said, but it it sounded like one of my other wheelhouses. That I don't think <laughs> I want to talk about that. <laughs> wheelhouse ask ask. I don't like that title at all. All right. Good, good title is <laughs> Title it what you want. I guess I guess it was Elwood because the caller left. Elwood, we're sorry. Please don't be mad. Uh, we will definitely get to you next week, buddy. We just need to wrap we're, the show. We're indulging ourselves too much, Elwood. Yeah, um, we're already we're already good fifteen minutes over where we should be. Uh, but I don't care because this is too good. I was thinking about this all day, like hoping somebody would walk up to me and be like, "So Star Wars, the first episode. You know, the, I mean, the real first episode. Any thoughts on?" Overall, right. in the plot, this is this is you know who would love this, Doctor E. Ray, because he would love this. Oh yeah, he's he'll PG, he'll be watching a movie that he hasn't seen in a while, and we get a series of texts just to our <laughs> chat room, and he tears apart the movie limb by limb, in, in good or bad, great stuff or bad stuff. And we just let it. We just we just roll with it. It's so great. It happens over the yeah. course of like two hours. And well, you know what he wrote to me. Apart. He actually wrote to me. He's like, you probably walk around all day wishing to yourself, I hope somebody asks me about Jesus Christ Superstar today. <laughs> right. I said, right. well, you know what? Guilty as charged. <laughs> and, and the dream comes true. I kind of was secretly hoping that way in the back of my head. It was interesting to me because I am a windbag too. Like I'm, I, I am. I'm a notoriously. <laughs> I'm. I'm verbose and I'm a windbag. Like somebody like somebody at work will be like, Hey Sam Pete, did you see that game last night? Oh, sorry, buckle up. <laughs> we're we're gonna go ahead and talk about it. Because yeah. I, I I'm I'm a, a windbag and I have an opinion about everything. And I try to make my opinions informed and if they're not informed, I try to be quiet. Uh, or at least listen to the other side. Quite often they're not informed. But I am a gas bag, so I, I pretty much lo- love talking about anything. And if so, asked, if asked, that's right. Yeah. I try. I try very hard not to jump into conversations. I don't like conversation jumpers. So really you're not going to walk up to somebody on the street and be like, "You look like you need to know about Star Wars." Correct. <laughs> that's not going to happen. That's correct. Did you ever see Ice Pirates? Just to random people <laughs> on the street. Wait, what pirates? <laughs> Come on, stop. That's <laughs> right. It's my headset. I, but I just I love this idea that it happens so perfectly and randomly with a pretty much a stranger. Like those people that are asking me about something at work know me, and they know a little bit about me. So they're asking, I hope, because they want to get my opinion on something, and they value you know conversation with me, hopefully. Uh, and we've gotten into some humdingers, but I really try not to jump in. But this is the random person on the street or that I meet at the checkout line at the grocery and they're like, ah, I was watching a, watching a, watching a documentary on Major League last night. You ever see that movie? I have. I have <laughs> two, 276 times. 
Where the, this was my last sports one. I just heard about this 1919 Black Sox thing. <laughs> you know, I was in What's Chicago. Was like a, there was like a like a you know a little plaque or something in in Comiskey Park. Do you know anything about that? Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> my name's my name's Elliot Asanoff. Sit down. <laughs> so anyway, uh, all right, give me give me the last one. And let's wrap up. I really nailed the P there. Pete, Cal, do you have a music, do you have a music one, Cal? No, I got another baseball one though. Another oh, okay. sports one. Give me the sports one. Cal doesn't Actually, care for music. No, this is this is this is a combination sports music one. Oh. Did I hear this right? That the Mets made a music video. <laughs> it, could that did that happen at any point? You know anything about that? Did they? I understand that they made a, uh, a some sort of uh, highlight video for the year in 1986. Did you ever see that? <laughs> Have you heard of Joe Piscopo? <laughs> you lost all our cards. Why'd you lose all our cards? The kid's good. Let's start there. Well, you lost all our cards. The gum is already being prepared. Um, and and Peach, give me give me one more. Uh, if someone asked me about uh, Douglas Adams, the author of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> that was the other one. <laughs> right. Someone wanted to talk about those books with me. Woo, boy. Buckle your seatbelts. It's going to be a while. We're going to be here, and we're not leaving until you know everything about everything. <laughs> <laughs> because you, my friend, just asked... <laughs> The world's leading I, authority, unofficially, unsanctioned. I do go on, you know. Nah. Self-proclaimed. Self-proclaimed. Call yourself a windbag. But, you know, when we talk, our conversations linger. Because yes. uh, I am also a windbag. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, we do co-windbag it. We do. <laughs> it's great, though. I enjoy it. I, our topics touch. We touch on many topics in one conversation. Yeah. This musical with Neil Patrick Harris, Hedwig or something like that. Oh my God! Can you imagine if someone asked me about that? <laughs> I, well, how long is your program? Let's see. That's where that's where quote Sleepless in Seattle. DJ, final one I just started watching Silicon Valley on HBO, and it's a scream. It's an absolute scream. I'm, I'm three in, and I got more to go, and I'm just, it's just great. So, highly recommend. Nice. Cal, final one Uh I'm going to try real hard to maintain my composure about the Mets going forward, keep a level head about things. Uh, I can't promise that I'll be successful. Sounds like you're in a 12-step program. Are you in a health <laughs> meeting? Yeah. I, One day at a time. It's a therapeutic episode. Yeah, I just, it's too much. I, you know. Mets Anonymous. And I can't wait for my daughter to come back tomorrow. She's been gone. My daughter, my oldest daughter, gone for two days. What? Away on a school what trip. The? What? <laughs> can't even talk you about it. You were sitting on this information? That's why I didn't bring it up. Can't talk about it. Rationally. <laughs> Come wow. home, please come home. 
Wow. On a very special. Uh, and uh, my final unload is uh, my wife, as I mentioned, threw me a surprise 40th birthday party this past weekend. And uh, Cal was unable to attend because uh, of his daughter's communion, which was awesome, too. Otherwise, I would have been there. Of I course. promise you. But uh, so many friends and so many just wonderful people, and my wife kept it for me, uh, and it was amazing. It really was. Uh, she did an incredible job, and uh, I just want to thank her. It was really awesome. And as she said to me, she said, well, you said you never had a surprise party, and you're never having one again. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, here you go. So it was, it was really great, and it was great to see everybody, including Bishop Big Donuts and his fam. Um, so thank you to Mrs. Sam Pete. All right, we'll see you next week. Go to iTunes and download the podcast, and go to the website. Bye. Good night, boys. Nice. Have you ever heard <laughs> of this band called The Beatles? <laughs> Sit down. <laughs>